Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to begin today. Actually, just one verse of scripture for our text. And then we'll conclude the service this morning with water baptisms. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said these things. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's a very, very profound scripture when we read it, and then when we begin to unpack it and dive into it, it tells us so many things about our walk with God. Recognize that when you read all of uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is talking to that particular church which he founded, about the fact that there's a vast difference between living a life of legalism under the law and living a life with Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit being your guide and director. He's comparing these things. He's comparing and contrasting the old covenant, which was the covenant of Moses, to the new covenant, which came through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. And he tells us then what happens when we choose to believe this scripture and really strive to live in liberty. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll understand very quickly that God doesn't want you living under bondage, but rather God is the spirit of liberty. And if there's any other spirit operating in your life that brings bondage or oppression or depression, that is not the spirit of God. Rather, when the spirit of God guides and directs our lives, He leads us to places where we can walk in liberty and freedom that we have never known before. And apart from the spirit of liberty, Holy Spirit, operating in our lives, we find ourselves living self-serving and self-defeating lives rather than lives that are pleasing to the master. When the Bible speaks of liberty, it's speaking of liberty in the context of being brought out of something, being released from something, being delivered from something. A bondage or oppression has fell off of us when we choose to live in liberty. If you're in the room this morning and you can say, I have been set free, I'm living in liberty, will you raise your hand and shout amen? Amen. It's a wonderful thing. It's a testimony to the power of God. Liberty means being released from the state of servanthood or of slavery. Paul himself also tells us that until we come to Christ, we are all slaves to sin. And our end is very well known. He says the wages of sin is death. But like the but that's in that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful for that today? Aren't you thankful that he has brought you out, he has set you free, he has released you and puts you on the right path? Probably the greatest example of liberty in the scripture would be the example of Moses and the Israelites being released from Egyptian bondage. If you know the story, the Israelites, really they weren't the Israelites then, it was Israel and his sons and their families who left Canaan, the promised land, and went to Egypt because there was grain there and there was grain there. Because these children, these grown men who were sons of Israel, had sold the brother they didn't like by the name of Joseph into slavery. But through God's hand on his life, he was elevated to the second in command of all of Egypt. 
and they began to prepare and set aside and be ready for the hard time that was coming. So when they actually were able to come to Egypt, the Pharaoh gave them the best of the land, the best of everything to the sons of Israel and their families. And they lived there for 400 years. And somewhere in their time of occupation of Egypt, things begin to shift. And they went from being free people to being slaves. They went from being those who were delivered and provided for the power of God to being people who were oppressed and bound every single day. So 400 years later, Moses comes on the scene and God anoints Moses to be their deliverer, to call them out of bondage, to bring them out of Egypt and take them back to the land God had given them as a people. And you know the story very well. God, through a series of miraculous works, 10 and all, caused the Pharaoh to say, just get them out of here. I don't want any more to do with them. Take them away. And so Moses led them out. But in that story of great deliverance and liberty, you'll find one thing that's very interesting. They kept wanting to go back. They preferred the known to the unknown. They preferred what they were accustomed to, to being in something that they really didn't know how it was going to work out. In other words, they preferred to live by sight and not by faith. How many of us are the very same way today? We're quick to condemn the Israelites because they didn't have the faith to believe that God would take them to the promised land. And they wanted to go back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to bondage. Boggles the rational mind, doesn't it? Makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Because all they wanted to do was to go back. But God said, there's liberty in front of you. And the scripture tells us the spirit of God is always the spirit of liberty. Let me say it one more time. If you're living under a spirit of bondage, it's not from God. If you're living under a spirit of oppression, it's not from God. If you're living under a spirit of depression, it's not from God. Because the spirit of God is a spirit of liberty. You say, well, what do I do? What you do is you speak the name of Jesus. You run to him. You let him set you free. You see that he can do all things and turn your life around. That's what you do. You notice that God made the birds, but man made bird cages. Yeah, birds were never meant to be in cages. And I hope I'm not offending those of you who have birds, but you need to hear what I'm saying. Birds were not created to be in cages. They were created to be free and fly. God didn't make bird cages, man did. And now you see birds that should be free and flying, standing on one leg in the cage, wondering what's next. What's the next step? How do I go from here? We need to understand that in God's life, a life of liberty, he created us too to be free. He did not create us to be in cages. Let me make the analogy clear. Religion is a cage that man is placed into. You are covered and surrounded by rules and regulations which no man could ever keep. And somehow we think if I just check the box and go to church or check the box and take communion, I'm going to be okay. No, friend, you were created for liberty, not for bondage. And God does not intend for you to live in bondage. When I'm talking about the spirit of liberty and what God does through us, imagine you were giving a check for a million dollars but you never cashed it. 
That's what I'm talking about. The promises and the power of God are right here and available to you, yet we don't avail ourselves to them. Imagine you're emaciated, you're starving to death, but the freezer and the pantry are full at home. You just don't eat it. Imagine you're dangling precariously from a rope, not knowing if you're going to survive when there's a ladder right beside you. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the spirit of liberty. I want you to understand that the spirit of liberty brings a change to your life, completely and totally transforming us. The scripture says, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Spirit of the Lord is in this room today. Holy Spirit has showed up and He's simply waiting for you to step away from that bondage, step away from that cage, step away from that oppression and put your faith and your trust in Him. Because the moment you do, liberty begins coming on your heart and on your life. Three things I want to share with you very quickly and then I'm done. Number one, living in liberty means we don't quit. If you'll read verse 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul starts it by saying, do not lose hope. I'm going to read it to you from the message. It says, since God has so generously let us in on what he's doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. Wow, that's powerful. That's so true. We need to understand that and embrace it. How many times have you known people who said, well, God doesn't do this. He's not real, and I'm not going to follow him anymore. My question is, who's God then, you or him? See, we have to come to the place where we recognize that we cannot quit when we're following the Lord. There's opportunities at every hand, to the right and to the left. We can say, I'm done, I've had it, I'm through, I'm walking out. But if you understand the spirit of liberty, you never quit. Because in the spirit of the liberty, he brings strength into your heart and into your life. He enables you to move forward. When you go on and read chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these words in verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. I don't know about you, but you got to shout, shout man right there. I mean, this old physical form, Paul says, is perishing. And yes, it is. From the day you are born until the day you die, this form, this frame is dying. It's perishing. But he says the inward man, where the Spirit of God resides, is renewed every single day. How can you have a smile on your face through hard times? Because your inward man is being renewed. How can you have a testimony when there's disease or sickness in your body? Because your inward man is being renewed. How can you have faith that God is able when it looks like there is no possible way out? Because you know the inward man is being renewed. I love that scripture. Verse 17, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Did you catch what he said? Your light affliction. What does the scripture say? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. David said, I've been young and I've been old. He's writing this in the midst of famine. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. 
Oh, folks, it's time to stop watching the news and look and listen to politics. It's time to put your eyes upon Jesus Christ, the promises from heaven, and believe no matter what's in my path that I can't yet see, God's already been there. He's going to provide for me, and I don't need to worry. Look at verse 18. Oh, we do not look at the things which are seen. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? It's a lot easier to have our eyes on what we can see rather than what he has promised. But we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you want to live in the spirit of liberty, you have got to stop seeing what's in front of you, viewing things through your natural eye, and start viewing things through the lens of God, through the promises of God and what God desires to do in your life. We have to change our focus. We have to set our sights on the eternal and pursue him. Scripture tells us very clearly that we are aliens, pilgrims, foreigners, strangers, simply passing through this life. Our citizenship is not here, it's there. Well, you can be a citizen of the United States. You can think it's going to be well and good. Are you kidding me? Do you know what's going on in our country today? Have your eyes been opened to the deception that is sweeping across the land and the destruction that's moving through this country? We have to focus our attention on the fact that our citizenship is in heaven. That is the author and the finisher of our faith. That faithful is he who called us that will perform his work in our lives to the very end. We have to understand our citizenship is in heaven and our reward is in heaven as well. Pop that next picture up, would you, Jada? Most of you know Olivia. Olivia is uh, one of our students. She's been coming about a year and a half. God radically changed her life and transformed her when she started coming to our student ministries. We've had the time, uh, opportunity to spend time with her, Yvonne and I have. And you know, one of the first things she told me is, I'm called to full-time ministry. God wants to use me in full-time ministry. I was thrilled by that because that's the sign of a living church. About two and a half weeks ago, Olivia started having some issues with her central nervous system. They put her in the hospital here at TMH, and then they transferred her by life flight to Jacksonville to the children's hospital there. She was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre's disease or syndrome. The neurologist came to check on Olivia last Thursday. And he said he wasn't seeing any improvement based on the treatment she was getting. When they were evaluating her, they said there was a little improvement in her right shoulder. So that's a good thing. It just isn't the improvement to the level that he was expecting. They were doing a plasma exchange. She finished that on Thursday night. And after that treatment, there was only one thing left to do. And if that didn't work, they had no other option. So then they get a message from Olivia's mom, Teresa, on Friday morning. This is a message that Olivia wrote to her family Friday morning. She said, yesterday afternoon, I started to feel a little different. It was my last plasma treatment. It was kind of tough for me. I was in a lot of pain, but we made it through. Shortly after we started my new treatment, when we started the treatment, I felt God was closing a chapter and writing a new one. 
Since I can't get out of bed and the way my room is positioned, I haven't been able to turn and see outside since I've been here. But this morning, I looked out the window for the first time in a while to see the beautiful sunrise. God is closing a chapter in my life to write a much more beautiful one for me. And I believe this sunrise was a reminder of the beauty he is capable of making. God is getting me ready for the miracle. I, I can just feel it. I'm so excited to see what he has in store, but we just have to wait for each sunset and another sunrise to find out. She wrote this Friday morning. We got a message later on that she had pretty much lost all function. She couldn't move at all. And then yesterday evening, I got a message from her mother, Teresa, saying, so I get here today, and to my surprise, she can move her legs, roll to each side. She's able to stand with assistance. Unbelievable. Hallelujah. Yvonne and I were there on Tuesday, and her right arm, she had movement from the elbow down. But her mother says that she can pick her right arm up from the shoulder to the elbow. She regained the movement from last week. Praise God. Folks, I've come to tell you this morning, we serve a God who is a spirit of liberty. He wants to set you free. If you're bound with an affliction, he is a healing God. That little girl is 17 years old. Pop that back up again, Jada. 17 years old. Can you imagine that? And such faith. When we visited her, she was absolutely convinced that God was going to heal her. And then she wrote about, I can just feel it. My miracle is coming. Oh, that God would infuse you and I with that kind of faith that we could believe our God is able to do anything. Amen. Living in liberty means we don't quit. She could have quit. Most 17-year-olds would have quit. But she refused to give up on God. She knew God was coming to her aid and to her rescue. Number two, living in liberty means deliverance. Second Corinthians 4, 2 says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. The word renounce means to disavow. We have pushed them away, turned away from them. We're not doing that old stuff anymore. He's showing us a better way to live through the spirit of liberty operating in our lives. The message translates that verse this way. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Folks, may I tell you, religion will manipulate you all day long, but the spirit of liberty, who is the Holy Spirit, will never manipulate you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will correct you. He will convict you. But he will never, never manipulate you. He will lead you where you should go. When we're living in that spirit of liberty, we're delivered from sin and death by a sacrifice. I want you to hear me very carefully. If you're still living under some type of oppression or bondage, it's not God's fault. Pull your toes back in because I'm getting ready to step on them. It's yours. It's yours. You can be set free. You've just chosen not to be set free. Sometimes we are so comfortable with where we at, we refuse to move to that place of the unknown. Let God set you free today. Paul goes on to say, we don't twist the word of God to fit our moral compass. It's a pretty powerful statement. 
Because I know believers and known believers for years who take a scripture, pull it out of context, twist it to make it fit their circumstance. That's not the way the Word of God works. The Word of God is not pliable to fit your circumstance, but rather you should be pliable to fit the Word of God. When you understand there is deliverance when the spirit of liberty flows through your life. And number three, living in liberty means following the voice of the spirit. Second Corinthians 3.18, but we all with veiled face beholding as a mirror the glory of God are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. The passion translation renders it this way. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I've said it dozens of times, but if you look just like you did a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, God's not working in your life. Because day by day, you should be seeing transfiguration. You should be seeing change occurring in you. And the things that once plagued you shouldn't plague you anymore. The things that once bound you shouldn't bind you anymore. Because the Spirit of the Lord is a spirit of liberty. And when we walk with him, he guides us into complete liberty. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. See, liberty is the right of the disciple to discipline ourselves rather than being disciplined by others. Wow, think about that for just a moment. You're always in the soup? Maybe you want to look inside. You're always in trouble? Maybe you want to look inside because in all likelihood, the problem is in you, not out there. Because the spirit of liberty, of liberty gives us the right to discipline ourselves rather than being disciplined by others. You see, when I talk about the spirit of liberty, when I talk about Jesus, we're talking about the gospel. And the gospel isn't something that we come to church to hear. The gospel is something that we come to church to tell. And when the Christians live the gospel, sinners listen to the gospel. So let's reach out to a world that's in need to a world that needs to know the Spirit of God is a spirit of liberty. Cue that video, Jada. Listen and watch this. Was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. Haley, come back, please. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. A pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much, but I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you gotta do it, you gotta do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. 
I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned and he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. 
They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Are you willing to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of Liberty will keep you out of darkness and bring you into light. That video was so appropriate. Because if we will simply learn to follow His voice, he will lead us through every trial, every temptation, every difficulty that we have in this life. This morning, I have two questions for you. First, you're here today and you've never followed the voice of God. You've done your thing your whole life. You've lived to please yourself. You haven't been concerned about what God thinks or God wants or God desires out of your life. But this morning, you realize something's got to change. Something has to change. Right where you're sitting, you say, you just grabbed me to a T, that's me. I came knowing that something has to change and I want that change to occur in my life today. That's you just slip that hand up right where you're at and say, that's me. 
Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about anybody that might be looking. That's me. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? That's me. I need to change. I must change. Yes, sir. Others? I must change, and only God can help me. I'm willing today to let him bring change to me. Maybe there's a mountain four minutes in front of you, and you're about to crash and burn. You need to turn to him and ask him to lead you. What else? Secondly, your life has been less than it should be. You know the Lord, but you've never really submitted to following Him and His voice. You're still living in bondage. The bondages that you've carried for years. And you've just refused to submit to the Holy Spirit who can set you free. Today you're willing to do that. That's you. Slip up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. So wait a minute. I want the liberty that the Scripture declares. Yes, anyone else? Slip up hand and pray for me. Stand your feet with me across this room, please. Those who raise their hands, I invite you to come and join us. We'll be right here in this altar praying with you. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.